0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
2: Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. My name is David Jolly. That is... Irf Gafar joining me in studio. How's it going today? What's up? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming in, man. Really, really appreciate you filling in for uh, Harmon Dial, who got after it, uh, as we all <laughs> saw yesterday, uh, as the light continued to leave his hotel room, as did Harmon, and he is not with us today. But he'll be back. He'll be back uh, on Friday. Tomorrow, I'll have another guest co-host. But today, Irf, very excited to have you. I heard you on Rinkwide with our pal Jeff Patterson last night. Did a phenomenal job there. And we'll talk a lot about that game between the Vancouver Canucks and the Nashville Predators. But before we do that, I need to tell you that today's episode of Canucks Conversation is brought to you by HSBC World Rugby Sevens, Western Canada's largest sporting event. And this year is the ninth time the event has visited Vancouver as part of the World Rugby Sevens Series. HSBC... V- HSBC Vancouver sevens where high caliber rugby and the ultimate party weekend collide. SVNS truly is a sporting event like no other and a weekend you won't want to miss for three full days from February 23rd to 25th. BC place is going to be the place to be 12 women's and 12 men. Seven teams, including two Canadian squads take to the pitch for three full days of jam-packed rugby and partying tickets on sale. Now at sevens.com starting from just $40 per day. Have you ever been? Yep. Okay. Tell me your stories. I No, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Did you uh, dress up? no Okay. I um, actually
3: we went I think it was one of the first years before COVID kinda happened and uh we only were on the concourse. Like we didn't I even see people just hung out, oh, I walked love around it. the
2: concourse for a couple times. I love it. Yeah. I like seeing the costumes that people wear. Like I think that's awesome. I think it's so much fun. Like yeah, I, I I've seen people dressed as like giant babies. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, it's Halloween in March or yeah, April or whatever so it is. It's wild. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh early in the show here. Jeremy Lee in our YouTube live chat said, wow, Harm got jacked. That's a compliment. <laughs> Definitely not. Harm did get taller though. Harm did get taller. And that was the conversation. Lighting. Yeah, that was the conversation you and I were having right before we started was that I was explaining to you that our framing, Harmon had a problem early into the partnership that I looked taller than him on screen. So now you look way, way taller, which technically you are. Um, but it, it's very funny how our framing works because it's all set up uh, for Harman's ego. Uh, Okay, let's move on. Uh, We have a game to talk about here. Uh, All four lines score in the Vancouver Canucks 5-2 victory over the Nashville Predators. Just some takeaways from the game. Uh, The first period was kind of ho-hum. I think it was two good teams feeling each other
3: out for the most part. And then, you know, the Canucks, you know, get up to the lead and then Nashville makes it 2-1 in the second period. And then it was game over after that. The Canucks dominated for the rest of the hockey game. They didn't let the Predators even come close. They took care of the center of the ice. Shots for the Predators were only from the outsides. Casey DeSmith was unreal. Um, I think we're going to not have a controversy, but I think we're going to have to have a conversation on, is Casey DeSmith going to start warranting a lot more starts for this Vancouver Canucks team than he is? But they were good. They took care of business. Um, You mentioned all four lines scoring. Unfortunately, the fourth line was a minus two. They're not going to like that, but it was a garbage time goal from Cody Glass. But yeah, I mean, they look good. Got you know um, contributions from Elias Pettersson. I know people say he might have been struggling a little bit or, or not playing his best hockey. Obviously, Quinn Hughes getting back in the score sheet, and uh, it, it was a pro- it was another professional win, and that's exactly what Rick Hockey like to see.
2: I wonder. Let's focus on Casey Smith for a sec because he played very well in that game. Obviously, he lets in two goals. Probably should have been one. I'm sure he oh, would he's have not going to like the last one exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder because because you just brought up a really good point that. It's not a controversy, but at some point he might start warranting more starts. I find that fascinating because the way I look at this season and a big topic of today's show is who are the real Canucks? And yes, we're going to be looking at their month of October, November. And now, of course, uh, as we get into mid to late December, one thing that they did at the start of the year was they were not afraid to go to Casey Desmith. Like if you think back to the start of this season, they shellack the Edmonton Oilers in their yep. first game. The Oilers are going to come out hungry. Everybody's ready for them to come, you know, come back firing when they're in their home opener. And they go with Casey to Smith. And, it, you know, that was partly because Thatcher Demko was puking in his mask in the <laughs> t- tail, tail moments of the home opener for the Canucks. But it didn't stop. Like, they kept alternating. They kept kind of going back to Casey to Smith. So they got away from that in November. And my question to you, irf is that, when we look at where this is progressing, do you think we go beyond what we saw in October, or do you think like? And when I say beyond, I mean like they're legitimately splitting starts. Like every yeah. start, they are switching goaltenders. Do you think we get to that point, or do you think it just goes back to October? Because I think that's more the direction that I lean in. Well, I didn't think that
3: Dismith was going to get this start against the Predators. Mm. If you looked at the schedule, you said, okay, this is probably Demko and Dismith De might get the start at home against uh, against San Jose, San Jose yeah. be- uh, before the break, but. Yeah, it's interesting because they trade for him on the eve of the season and he's become a very serviceable backup. They might have probably, if you look at it, the best goaltending tandem in the National Hockey League right now. Um, And and I think that when you're Thatcher Demko and when you're the Vancouver Canucks, when you're Rick Tockett, you're Ian Clark, you're that coaching staff, you look at it and say you have a plan. You look at the 82-game schedule, you look at your back-to-backs, you look at your opponents, you look at your strength of schedule and where you want to slot these guys in, and you have certain starts on your calendar for DeSmith. Yep. Now, things obviously change based on obvious injuries, if someone's sick, and what have you. But I think with DeSmith playing the way he is, and with Demko playing the way that he is, obviously when he's in, he's going to want to run a games. You're going to want Demko playing the brunt of the games in March and April, especially if you're going to be a playoff team and want to compete. But I think you're going to see a lot more Dismith than we anticipated. And I, and, I, and I don't think that's a bad thing for this team.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And look, you brought up the playoffs. When you get (laughs) later into the season, if you want to go on a deeper playoff run, like you can't be looking at the season and say, well, okay, Thatcher Demko is going to make 50 starts or 40 starts. Like, No, because when you get into playoffs, ideally, Thatcher Demko is making about 20 more starts. Uh, Well, most ideally, he's making 16 more starts. Uh, But we'll get there uh, when we get there. Okay, anything else that you wanted to say uh, about the game before we kind of move on to this broader conversation about who the real Canucks are?
3: Uh, no, not really. I mean, look, it, it was, it was a good win for that team. He was 10 goals on this season. I think that that's a very fascinating story, uh, with this hockey club because he's doing everything that Andre Kuzmenko isn't right. He's, he's going to the net. He's putting himself in positions to succeed. Um, he's making all the right plays. He's making life miserable for other defense defensemen, uh, on the opposing teams. And I think that, you know, he's following the instruction. He's following what his coaching staff is saying to him and, when you look at it, you know, there were, there were three players that I had circled on when there was going to be some trade talks or if the Canucks mm-hmm. were going to move someone when they were thinking about it or, or if it was something was going to happen. It was Hoaglander, it was Connor Garland, and it was Andre Kuzmenko. I don't think they can touch that Garland line right now, to be completely honest. Hoaglander is probably their best asset, to be completely fair. And Andre Kuzmenko, in all honesty, I don't know when he's going to get back into the lineup. It could be against the Dallas Stars, but, you know, it's not Rick Talkin style to touch a... touch a lineup that wins uh the previous game
2: and wins the previous game the way the canucks won that game like i i was was looking at this in the stand that i wrote last night and i was like if okay let's say let's say you want to get andre kuzmenko back in the lineup who are you taking out because the guy that i kind of landed on was sam lafferty where we're not taking him out you're probably taking pdg out if you're taking anybody out okay so that's the thing i like the way pdg played last night i thought sam lafferty a guy who's kind of lost his spot in the top six kind of hasn't done much for me lately yeah. Do you know what i mean i just i don't know. i think i think my answer is that i don't take anybody out and i keep i wouldn't put andre kuzmenko back in this lineup well, if, I, if i was the coach here's
3: the thing I, I think that andre kuzmenko is getting fourth line minutes right now he's playing 11 minutes a night maybe 10 and seven of that are at even strength because of all the power play time my problem is he doesn't do anything on the power play so then you look at it if you're a coaching staff and you go well, what is he really doing when he's on the ice? Is he hurting us more? He's been minus two, minus three in a couple of games as a fourth liner, not getting much ice time. So then you have to look at it and say, okay, we kind of do need to bench him a little bit. And we kind of have to send a message here to for him to get back into being able to read the play, being able to play defense, being able to play both sides of the puck. You know, he's got to be Charlie Conway. He's got to play two-way hockey for Coach Gordon Bombay, but he doesn't do it.
2: This is the thing that I keep coming back to, Earth, is that yesterday, Talkit, when he was explaining why... He scratched Kuzmenko. He just said, yeah, it's, "Like it wasn't even to send a message. It was just that I think this is our best chance to win a te- win against a yeah. team that has won 13 of their last 16 games." And sure enough, he was absolutely correct. So yeah. if you're going into Dallas, another one of these teams that you're going to want all of your all guys firing on all cylinders, I don't think you put Kuzmenko back in that lineup, especially when the lineup that you just iced gave you what they gave you in that game against the Predators. It's interesting. I wonder where this heads. I'd be shocked if you played tomorrow. Yeah. Let's just put it that way. And, and I think that,
3: you know, you, you mentioned the Dallas Stars, and that's that's a big opponent. So that's one of their tougher opponents. Obviously, Nashville has been playing well of late, but that the, like the Dallas Stars are a very good opponent. They're probably going to be there, you know, in the Western Conference and, and in the Western Conference finals or around in that area. So the Canucks, it's a good measuring stick game for the Canucks. Obviously, no Ottinger for Dallas, but it's still a big game. And yeah, I mean... Rick Tockett's not coaching hockey games to be popular in the dressing room. He's not coaching hockey games to make Andre Kuzmenko or his agent happy. He's coaching hockey games because he's paid to win. Yeah. And if he thinks the lineup is not good enough to win this hockey game, he's not going to put the players in to play that game. And I think it's just just that simple.
2: And 22 times, Rick Tockett has been absolutely (laughs) correct uh, about that. Okay, we'll move on here. We'll move on to our conversation about who the real Canucks are, Uh, but before we do that, I should mention to you that this segment is brought to you by our friends at 4 Winds Brewing family owned and operated in Delta home to the four winds light Lager, a crisp, clean and easy drinking beer, a beer for everyone, a perfect beer for before after or during the game. You're going to want to stock up on four winds, light loggers. You're watching this team make their March to the president's trophy. Uh, ask for four winds, light logger at your local liquor store or have some delivered right to your door through the online shop at four Okay. Um, or if I want to ask you this question, who are the real Canucks? Cause it feels like we've seen two versions of them. It feels like for the month of November, we saw 500 hockey club and it feels like in October. And for most of December now, we have seen a team that, you know, I don't know, like what's this team ceiling right now? This team, I'm talking about the team in October and December, because look, they were at 140 point pace for the season in October. So yeah, I mean, well, that definitely wasn't going to, wasn't going to last and it didn't, but who are they? Who is this team? <sighs>
3: I think there, this is a team with a, with elite level goaltending, a really, really, really good defenseman in Quinn Hughes, probably an elite level defenseman, another good defenseman in Philip Ronick. And then beyond that, they have some guys. And I think when you go to the forward group, your top six is, your top six is heavy. You have, you know, Elias Pedersen and and you, and you've got JT Miller and you've got a guy like Brock Besser who's having himself a hell of a season. Um, And then you've got, your bottom six four group. And that's my question mark for this team is can that bottom six question, can that bottom six group when you're in the playoffs going up against the Colorado avalanche, when you're playing against, you know, teams like the Vegas golden Knights, what can they do to match up? I mean, I always go back to last year, the Vegas golden Knights won the Stanley cup and William Carlson was their third line center. Yep. Uh, It's just, it was wild. I mean, obviously you make the trades and you, you get Jack Eichel and things like that and it changes things a lot, but, this Vancouver Canucks team, um, they're evolving uh, right before our eyes. They're growing. They're maturing. I think when you have wins like you did the other night against Nashville Predators, um, it shows some growth. You know, they they, they they score to make it 2-1 and then instantly bang, bang. You know, the Canucks don't like, give them any breathing room. They're 19-0 and when going into the third period. They close games. Yeah. They don't lose when they have the lead in the third period. And that's something that we couldn't say about this Vancouver Canucks team in years past. And I think that that's a testament to the coaching staff and to the buy-in of the players in this group. And obviously, they're, they're getting contributions. You know, Quinn Hughes is going to have a ridiculous season. He's obviously, you know, a Norris Trophy favorite. Brock Besser, you know, we're talking about Brock Besser kind of being, um, you know, winning the Rocket. Richard. Obviously, Matthews has 25 goals now. And then you're getting contributions from JT Miller. Like, if you'd have told me JT Miller is going to be in the mm-hmm. top 10 NHL scoring this season, it's wild. And a guy like Philip Roenick, I mean, he's got a bajillion points too. So. Yeah, yeah they're getting contributions from everyone. And I think that that's a big thing, but I still think the jury's out on this team. I'm not ready to call them a cup contender. I'm ready to think that they can get into the playoffs and then kind of see what happens.
2: That makes one of us wait yeah. for my bet way bet of the day folks. It's a, it's an absolute heater. Um, but <laughs> I, I do find this conversation kind of interesting because you brought up the bottom six and like, I almost wonder if the Canucks run not hinges on, because we know how important their top six players, are, how important their goaltending is just, how important that third line that's been so good lately, how important they really are to this team. And if they can keep driving the bus the way they have for that bottom six and really for the Canucks lineup on a lot of nights recently, just how important is that line for this team? Well, they don't get
3: scored on. Yeah. And I think that that's, every coach's dream scenario is you have a line that you can put out and depend on in so many different situations to not get score on Dakota. Joshua had four shots the other night. I mean, he's playing well, Connor Garland, the changing agents and the trade talks and everything before the season scoring opening night, obviously. And then the way that he's been able to cement himself on that line uh, has been remarkable. So when you look at it and say they're, they're, they're tough to play against, which they are, they might they make life dis- um, miserable for other teams. But I think the biggest thing for them is they don't get scored on. And that's huge. But it's still early, man. It's still yep. December. So we have a very, very, very long way to go before we really look at this Canucks team and say, are they for real? Because I, I, I think that you can play as many games as you want. You can beat the Edmonton Oilers 50-0 march or sorry in november december january february until you're doing these things and playing consistent hockey and not losing games in march and april when other teams are fighting and clawing to make the playoffs and other mm-hmm. teams are doing that you don't really know who you are i think they're still trying to figure out their identity to be completely honest but um sky's the limit i mean you mentioned the ceiling sky's definitely the limit i mean there's definitely potential there and they, and it's on the backs of thatcher demko quinn hughes Elias Patterson, Brock Besser, and J T Miller. I think those are the guys that you know the the, the core group of this team that is going to carry them through. I
2: think I'm buying in a little bit more. Like, like I I understand what you're, you're saying. You're giddy. I am giddy. I am a little giddy. Um, kind of weird, but it's okay. <laughs> you're waiting until like March and April. I understand that. I understand the games are going to get harder. I just think that I look at this team and I see how they played in October, right? And then. We knew the regression was coming and Harmon and I did at least nine episodes about what it was going to look like when this team regressed. And what we said was like, yeah, they're going to regress from their 140 point pace. But what does it look like when they come back down to earth? And I think we saw that for the month of November when they had the toughest part of their schedule for the season. I like I don't know. This is a crazy hot take to just throw out there, but I'm going to do it. That's kind of what I do on the show. I'm a vibes guy. I throw out shows. I don't think they're going to have another month this season that was as bad as the month of November was. And keep in mind, in the month of November, like they played 500 hockey. Like they were a fine team during that month of November. I just, I don't think they're going to have a stretch like that for the rest of the season. So you think they're going to play 500 or above the rest of the year? Absolutely. I mean, it's a take for sure. Every single I, month. I, I
3: think, I mean, okay, let's well, look at their strength of schedule and who they play and, and and things like that. But I think if they can find themselves in a situation where they're comfortable and, you know, they're, they know where they're going to be at. I think Jeff did the math the other night. You know, if they play 500 hockey basically the rest of this season, they get to 92 points, and 92 points probably gets you in the playoffs. Yep. Right. So it's just with the way the Western Conference is, and if you look at that from basically that explanation of it, you say, okay, they can afford a loss here or there. I don't think they're going to stomp on teams every single day, and I don't think we should expect that from the Vancouver Canucks, but. Um, you know, they're, as long as they stay healthy, I think that's, that's key, Mm. right? Your top guys have to stay healthy. Um, They're going to lose hockey games. I think, I think that is pretty evident and then it's going to happen. They're going to have nights where they don't play well. They're going to have nights where they play against really, really good teams. They're going to have nights where they play against the Colorado Avalanche who beat them, who Vegas golden Knights, who beat them when the Calgary flames. And when basically they said that the Canucks don't like being played against in a physical manner, they out physical them and they, (laughs) and they ended up winning that hockey game. So, the Canucks kind of have to figure it out. And, and I think that the beauty of it is when you look at this coaching staff and the way that this team is built, they're maturing before our eyes. Yeah. Right. Rick Talkett's maturing with his group. His team's maturing. His leaders are maturing. Quinn Hughes is evolving into, into, you know, uh, the captain of this team and obviously an elite NHL defenseman, Thatcher Demko, Dr. Demko, you know what you're going to get every time he starts. Yep. And then you're seeing contributions and, and, and things from different players, but um, Basically, to your point, uh, I don't know if I agree that they're going to play 500 hockey every month for the rest of the season, but it'll be it,
2: it, it'll be a fun uh, rest of the season to watch. That's for sure. And I forgot uh, Frank Cervelli has been in the background and I'm sure he's heard my take and I'm sure he's about to rip into me for it. So let's bring in Frank brought to you uh, by the Wendy's Daily Face Off Survivor Pool game. Wendy's is letting you win real food with your fantasy teams this year with the Wendy's Daily Face-Off Survivor Pool. For those of you who dream of smoking the competition, Wendy's is rewarding you with weekly prizes that will have you winning. But here's the big secret to lineups. It's all serendipitous, like Wendy's new limited edition chicken strips and French toast sticks. Sometimes the best teammates are the ones you'd least suspect. Sign up to play Daily Face-Off Survivor Pool to win weekly prizes like the new chicken strips and French toast sticks from Wendy's and the Wendy's app. Let's bring them in. Frank Cerevalli. Uh Frank, before I get to my first question, I'll just let you, uh, w- what, what do you have to say to me?
4: I actually didn't hear your take. I guess oh, I must've been late, but I do. So Irf, I will bet you a steak dinner that the Canucks play at least 500 hockey every single month, the rest of the way.
2: That's what, that, that was um, my take. I thought you would disagree. Let's nope, go. But I've
4: been saying it all along. First off, the Canucks are a good team. Second, 500 hockey is really nothing to speak of in today's NHL. It, it doesn't get you into the playoffs. It's actually not even close to the playoffs. And if the Canucks only played 500 the rest of the way, um, just a correction on your math, they'd end up with 95 points. Okay, three more. But so you, take that, Earth. <laughs> are you on? I'm not a math on? guy. I'll tell you that right <laughs> now. Hey, you know I'm on, Frank. I'm always on. <laughs> Earth's always down for a good dinner. I'm he always down to, for a good he dinner. He go.
2: yeah. Oh, I love it. Okay, well, Frank, I didn't know you'd be on my side about this, so that leads me perfectly into my first
4: question. Uh, why do you think the Canucks are winning both the President's <laughs> Trophy and the Stanley Cup this year? Um, I don't on either account. However, I do think the Canucks are a really good team. And I think that, Earth, you hit it right on the head when you said that they're still maturing and getting better right in front of our eyes. And I think with the check, the boxes that they have checked, that they are going to be a formidable playoff team to go up against in the first round. Yeah. It's, the Pacific is murderous, like, and it all depends on where it shakes out because where do the Oilers slot in, assuming that they get in? Who who would Vancouver face in round one? I mean, it's going to be a tough draw, I think, no matter what. But I, I think the Canucks are going to have a puncher's chance. Yeah. I mean,
3: look, I, I might agree with you there. I just, I think that they, there's, there still needs to be some improvement. I'm not sold on that bottom six forward group. And then after Hughes and Roenick and maybe, you know, Cole, Cole and Susie, you know, that that bottom two defense pairing isn't, isn't that great. But, I mean, you don't have to play that much in the playoffs. And, and when you get there, I guess. Um, Frank, I guess my question to you is how much... Does Jim Rutherford? I know and him and Patrick Alvine have have done a lot of work to improve this hockey team, but how much more might we see coming as as we get into obviously after Christmas and and maybe into the trade deadline? Like you look at this team, and we you know we talk about playoffs, but
4: how active might they be? I think they're gonna be pretty active. I mean, yeah. look how aggressive they've been to this point. And some would say that they've tinkered around the edges. I would say that they've made a bunch of really smart bets to stack little incremental 3 to 5% wins on top of each other that have really been difference makers for this team when it comes to the results that we're seeing on a night-to-night basis. Um, I think the big question is, like, look at someone like Kuzmenko, who we've talked about. Um, there's been lots of talk, is he out there and available? Are the Canucks going to move him or not? Um, I think it's a bit premature for that. I don't have any evidence to this point yet that he's someone that they're interested in moving. But let's say this continues on where he's someone that is clearly a square peg in a round hole for this team. Think about the cap dollars in play. Think about um, how other teams might view him. And then think about some of the other upgrades that you might be able to make across your lineup if you were to ship someone like him out. So I think this front office is, is eager and open to do business um, I think they're willing to shake things up and, and question the status quo. I just, my, the reason why I'm not ready to make any bold proclamation is because I'm not entirely sold that the rest of the NHL is on the same page.
2: I'm so curious about this, Frank, because it's a really good point. And then you think about this Rutherford Alvine regime. They've had a pretty firm eye on the future while retooling their team. Obviously they move a first round pick last year, but they had another first round pick to use. We
4: only got one this year. Do you get the sense that that might be in play at the trade deadline? I guess. Tell me where this team is at in the standings. Tell me what they might be able to get their hands on. I don't see the Canucks being a team that that's going to be out there pounding the pavement and saying, Hey, we're going to move our first round pick to get a rental back in return. But if you could find someone and I, you know, looking at the playbook and probably how it's not going to be duplicated again, based on the success that they've had with Ronick. Like if you could find someone that fits your age scheme, that could be part of your team for a while that can help you now. And for the future, I, I don't think the Canucks would blink for a second and they'd put that first round pick in play. They've had too many first round picks <laughs> too many, by the way, that haven't panned out. Um And I think it goes to show you that if you can be aggressive in the moment and make a game changing move to help you now and for the future, that that's the way to play it as opposed to, especially if you're a playoff team and picking at 22 or 24, you're, you're, you're dealing with a hope bet at that point.
3: Yeah. I don't think the first round pick will be in play. And I do agree with you, Frank, you're not making moves just to, get a rental to try and win a playoff round. I think it's got to be, I think this, this management group's a lot smarter than that. Um, what's been the talk around the league about the job that Rick Tockett's done with this group? I know, you know, he, he, he came in and obviously people know his mentality and the way that he coaches, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts on Rick Tockett's job that, that he's been able to do with this team.
4: Yeah, I think it's been incredibly impressive. I think the buy-in that he's gotten from the team has been important. I think he's been able to help mold and shape uh, some of the pieces that have come in, I think to me, to really understand Rick Tockett and um the attitude and persistence and drive that he has to get better. Like he's no nonsense. You show up, you're ready to work. And if not, you're not going to be part of the mix. And I think you, you look for me at someone like JT Miller, and we talked about him quads last week and his impact and We're talking about unsung heroes, and it's kind of hard to say that, you know, the leading scorer of the team is an unsung hero, but it's not a foregone conclusion, essentially what you'd be getting out of JT Miller at this spot, given where he was one year ago when it looked like he didn't really care when it looked like he might not be engaged at every moment to see that buy in from him to see like Rick Tockett has had a real long sustained history in the NHL of getting the most out of players that were sort of deemed difficult to deal with. Phil Kessel is his shining example. He was the Phil Kessel whisperer in Pittsburgh (laughs) Um, that, you know, not to equate the two, but that he's been able to squeeze as much out of Miller as he has, I think is a real big, uh, he deserves a tip of the cap for that. Like that's been a big part of this season's success. And You could just tell being there um, at training camp this year that this team meant business. I think the Ian Cole addition has been huge, and I think he's someone that obviously understands Tockett and Rutherford and their view and has a nine-year playoff streak on the line that he came to Vancouver with no idea of of giving up on that, that he wanted to push that to 10. And I just think the whole mood around this team has been different in large part to their coach.
2: Yeah, it's really interesting because like when – Rick Taka was hired. There was rumors that, oh, they did this because they needed to reel JT Miller. Rick Taka was getting questions about JT Miller and how he was going to manage this player in his intro press conference as Canucks head coach. He was getting questions about uh, JT Miller. He was ready for those questions. Like he talked about how he was a similar player to that. And look, the the relationship between those two guys uh, is obviously very well chronicled. Do you have any final Canuck questions? Because I want to move around the league a little bit. Uh, no, okay. I, I think I'm good. Yeah. Frank, what the hell's going on in Colorado? We see this from Taves. We hear about Lekkonen's dad. Like what is
4: going on in Colorado right now? I this is going to sound funny to say, and um, normally I'd rather pour gasoline on the fire than tamp it down. <laughs> um, I, I kind of think this is much to do about nothing. Um, hmm. the, the Lekkonen thing I think was motivational fuel for one day for Miko Rantanen who him and Lekanen are pretty close. I happen to also know really well Lekanen's father, Ismo Uh, He's been to a number of Stanley cup finals in a row, which I'm almost at every year. And, and I've spent lots of time with him meals and beverages. And he's not really one of those guys that is uh, up for the drama or to really uh, play something up. And so I was kind of surprised to hear those comments. Um, I think, in part, at least listening to Ismo Lekkinen and t- him tell his side of the story that they're probably taken a little bit out of context, but it's sort of like, you know, some of the best players in the world, think back to Michael Jordan, the, the tiniest slight is enough to get you going. And for a guy that hadn't scored in nine games, uh, he goes out and has a three point night and then <laughs> sort of says afterwards, like, Hey, thanks. That was for you. Hmm. Um, when it comes to Devon Taves and his comments, uh, definitely a little bit surprised and I, I feel like any team that loses to the Blackhawks who basically have like 12 legitimate NHL players on their roster like it's not many more than that and and that team wins and Connor Bedard's able to help lift that team to a victory uh, on home ice with really little support that it probably really sticks in everyone's crawl a little bit and you see some of the frustration come out but I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm looking at the the abs this year. They're tied for first in their division. I know that they've hit a tiny skid the last 10 days here, but does anyone really have any concern for the abs and their ability to be a dominant playoff team? Well, that's kind of why I look at it and
3: say, okay, this might not, might what you said might be much of nothing, but how much have they missed Gabriel Landeskog's leadership? I think that that's my question there. I mean, I know you have McKinnon, and he's a superstar in this league, but how much have they missed the leadership of their captain?
4: I say this with all due respect to Gabriel Landeskog, but the Colorado Avalanche are Nathan McKinnon's team.
3: No, 100%. It's, it's just like here, I think, in Vancouver. they're. Okay. I think they're JT Miller's team. Uh,
4: you could wear whatever letter you want. Um, I happen to be around the Avs a couple weeks ago. And I was standing in the hallway and someone said, Hey, what time's the bus? And someone replied, whenever McKinnon says it's time. (laughs) I mean, he's like quite literally driving the bus on that team, on the ice, off the ice. He's pushing everyone, pushing different buttons. It's clear that Jared Bednar uh, obviously listens to him uh, and takes his counsel. So I'm sure there's some part of Gabriel Landeskog and his experience being a captain at such a young age in this league that, you know, there's a calming influence that comes with that. Um, But it's a hard question to answer because it's also been a pretty long stretch of time that they've been without Landeskog. Hmm. Uh,
2: Frank, we'll close it on a Canucks question because the chat has a few for you. Uh, But this one, this is one that's kind of been thrown around recently is, the keys is Adorov's next contract. Uh, one, do
4: you think it'll be with the Canucks? And two, what do you think he signs for? Uh, one, I don't think it'll be with the Canucks. I think he's going to end up being a rental, and I think probably at the price the Canucks paid, they're fine to use him as such. <laughs> Obviously, they're certainly interested in the player, though, so I, I certainly wouldn't want to rule that out, but. Uh, it certainly sounds like listening to Zadarov that he believes he's in a different stratosphere contract wise than I think most of the rest <laughs> of the league views him. And that's a big reason why the Calgary flames were never really seriously contemplating keeping him because he wants more than they believe he would deserve on their blue line, which is mostly in a third pair role. And so um I don't, I can't really ballpark an AAV and what that looks like. Like my guess would be somewhere between four and a half and five. Like, is that, is that too high? Is that too low on an AAV? I, I don't really know how to pinpoint him exactly, but someone will pay him. I just don't know that the Canucks, especially with the really sizable raise that Philip Ronic is, is in for. Mm -hmm. And I got a ton of tweets from last week's appearance, (laughs) uh everyone telling me that i'm out to lunch i keep the receipts just wait i'm telling you (laughs) philip ronick that number starts with an eight all day long and if you don't believe me it just won't it might not be in vancouver but it's it's definitely happening
3: i love it that's why not in detroit like it's going to be and it's going to start with an eight yeah
2: i agree frank was taking a lot of heat for that last week so i'm I'm glad you brought that up frank keep your receipts i love it uh frank thank you so much
4: for doing this man appreciate it have a good one, guys. And since I'm assuming, will we talk next week? And if not, have a great Christmas.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Merry Me Christmas. You and yours, day, man. Brother. See you guys. See you. All right. That was Frank Saravali brought to you by the Wendy's Daily Face Off Survivor Game. Uh, who is he taking heat from? How do people not realize that Ronick is going to start with an eight? Yeah. Like, that's. <sighs>
3: I, I don't think that's shocking
2: at no, all. No, it's not shocking, but Earth, this is the conversation Harmon and I keep having is. Like the Canucks shouldn't pay him anything that starts with an eight. Yeah, that doesn't mean that, that his number is not going to start you're with absolu- an eight. You're for absolutely him. correct. You're absolutely correct. But now the conversation shifts it's- to okay, so the Canucks are going to sign that paycheck for a guy who we haven't seen hold his own on a pairing. We have not seen it yet. He's playing with the league's best defenseman. That's right my now. point.
3: So he doesn't need to hold his own. But
2: okay, so if Quinn Hughes goes down and you've got this eight, eight, mil- eight plus million guy who can't play by himself come no, on fair I, I agree but
3: that that's not what car that's not where the where, where contracts are in this day you're and age you're absolutely
2: correct you're absolutely correct and i think that's why so, this is a bigger conversation to have cuz it's like i don't know they don't they shouldn't trade him but no they're not going to trade him they traded for him all all Harmon and i have been saying is just make him play by himself and then you'll have like a sample size that you can bring into negotiations if you're the cock to be like, this is what it looked like when this guy played by himself. That's fair. And then he's going to say, look at what I did and look at what we
3: did together when I was with Quinn Hughes. Yeah, and then Start I would, I would eight say, point look what
2: Ethan Bear did with Quinn Hughes. Look what Noah Julson. look what Luke Shen, All the anybody who plays with Quinn Hughes is going to do well. Doesn't matter. At this point,
3: we're talking about Phil Brunick. You're right. Ethan Baer got $4 million. He's going to get about that right. in, in Washington
0: or wherever it he is. did.
3: He signed. He already signed, right? signed Yeah. No, he's not signed yet. But it's reported that two years, two. He
0: just a year. did a
2: press conference with them. Like get no. a
0: sign when I think he's fully ready to go because there's some in- insurance thing from. Oh, World Championship I just last saw. Year. I know.
2: I thought I was like, did I miss something? Because I saw. I just he saw was doing a, media
0: availability. Yeah, he yeah, yeah, saw it's, it's,
2: it's the yeah. It's definitely
0: the insurance. And thing. It, okay. he had a bit of a spicy take about how you know they not only. Um, needed him here they wanted him here mm. so read between the lines on how you want just just back to Erf's point i could totally see and especially with uh alan walsh as the agent that's another you know wrinkle in all of this is that when they go to negotiate he's going to say to patrick Valveen and jim rutherford quinn hughes has never been at this level before yeah now how much is that because he finally has you know an elite defenseman <laughs> Come on, to goodness. work with hey i'm just playing <laughs> uh-huh. you devil's advocate you're right here, you're right, right?
2: That's, Alan that's Walsh would say that you're win. right.
0: So he's jobs to do. He's an agent. Yeah,
2: exactly. no, no, no. you're yeah. right. You're absolutely right. I'm just saying that's a little crap. Top those times, Come on. like, are we, are we really are we really throwing out the take that? Oh yeah, Philip Ronick has really elevated Quinn Hughes. Quinn hey, Hughes couldn't do this. Quinn Hughes, Hughes. Did, did.
3: Did Quinn Hughes have this many points at this point last season? No, with not playing with Philip Ronick.
2: No, there but you. you
0: go. Can... It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you're right. You're and right. Remember, this is
2: all going to be brought up for negotiations. Remember I'm... here. Yeah, yeah, go on.
0: Luke Shen. Got a nice contract in Nashville Mm -hmm. playing with Quinn Hughes. Yep. So Quinn Hughes can get everybody paid.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I know. Quinn Hughes. Some royalty checks are yeah. coming in. Yeah. there is there is yeah, we've had some listeners who really, really thought Noah Juleson was the answer because of what he did with Quinn Hughes. And look, start of the year, we're like, oh, maybe no. Cole McWard can do it. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta think, be able to play. On. And yeah.
0: and the chat's buzzing right now. I asked, is Hronik worth eight million? Again, people saying no, he's not even worth seven. I love it. I totally agree. Hronik will get eight or more, yeah. seven point five. He's worth eight plus on this team, but they can't afford him. So Shout out to the chat, they're always, yeah. uh, We got a lot of people in the
2: chat. If you're new, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell so you know when we go live. It is Monday to Friday at 2 p.m.
1: Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.
3: Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction
0: and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com ACAST.
2: Let's get to anyone else and really dive in To the chat here. It's time for anyone else presented by DoorDash. It's our listener's chance to get involved in his up in the YouTube live chat and it's also our listener's chance to get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. That's right for a limited time. 25% off and zero delivery fees when they enter the code NATION25. That's all capital letters NATION and the numbers to 5. Offer valid in Canada. Subject to change. Terms apply. Holidays are fast approaching with the restaurants, groceries, Grocery, pharmacies, bakeries, flower shops, and more—DoorDash really has everything you need to make the holidays special. Okay, Earth, this is one I want to throw at you because we were talking about Philip Peronik, and another guy who needs a new contract is Dakota Joshua. And I thought oh, he's not getting eight. Yeah, but, you know, yeah, he's not getting eight. Not quite. But this is this is just something that I was thinking about on my drive into the office today. Was I think one thing this management regime's done well that they need a little more credit for? I think is their pro scouting. And like their ability to go identify a guy who they can go after and can elevate and their development system, like how they've you know really um transformed everything in Abbotsford and the development staff as a whole. And the thing that I keep coming back to is something that we brought up when Carson Susi was signed. That instead of paying for Carson Susie, which it was it was just for an argument's sake, it wasn't like oh they can't pay Carson Susie, it was just that. The Canucks really need to f- start to focus on getting the next Carson Soucy, like mm-hmm. a guy who they can get at a bargain, come in, play on your third pair, be that guy that goes ahead. And I think that's why we keep saying, yeah, maybe Zadorov isn't going to work out because you're basically signing another third pair guy that you believe can go to, uh, go into your top four defense group. But if you already have Carson Soucy signed, it doesn't make a ton of sense to go get something done with Nikita Zadorov. So I'm just, it, it just got me thinking that. With Dakota Joshua, there has to be a certain point where you walk, just like there was with Tyler Mott. Grady, your mic's on. Um, Just like there was with Tyler Mott. And at some point, you need to be able to say, okay, we're going to trade this player for an asset, or we're okay with letting him walk in the offseason because we are going to go find the next Dakota Joshua. I
3: agree. I I think that's a very good take. Uh, Look. I've always said, and I will continue to say it for the rest of my life when it comes to players and contracts, you are going to have the absolute best performance from any player in their contract season. I don't care who it is. I don't care what it is. And Dakota Joshua is proving that. Look at the way this season started for Dakota Joshua. Mm -hmm. Rick Talkit basically threw him under the bus. Yep. And it was like, this guy is questioning his professionalism. If he wants to be, if he wanted to be an NHLer and what happened? And obviously Dakota wanted to pick the NHL route instead of everything else and you know turned turned it around and now he's on one of the best third lines probably in hockey right now and and you know he is facing a significant raise but you can't overpay if you're the vancouver canucks yeah. they've overpaid in the past and had these third and fourth liners you're giving two three four million yeah. bucks to do, where they cannot afford to do yes the cap is going yeah. to go up and it's going to go up you know a, a little bit more not next season but the season after and the season after that it's going to go you're going to see a, a really large increase but you still need to find your diamonds in the rough. You yep. still need to go have your European scouting, find guys that are playing in the Swedish leagues that, that are playing in different leagues. Your North American scouting needs to be good and your development has to be good. And the college free agency yep. as well has been a gold mine for a lot of teams in the national hockey league. Hasn't been that much of a gold mine here, obviously for the Vancouver Canucks being able to get those guys. I mean, Chris Tanev obviously was, was a free agent that was signed out years ago. Um, but other than that, I mean, you, you, look at someone, I mean, like Aiden McDonough and, and things mm-hmm. like that, but, Um, I I think when you're the Vancouver Canucks, your Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin, it's your scouting departments and it's, um, improving your team via that way. And also via trade, if you can do it, I don't think you can overpay players anymore.
2: It's interesting because for the first time in a long time, I actually trust them to get it right on those players that they're taking shots on.
3: Yeah, because I, I, and I think a lot of the, a lot of it is when you look at it now, I think I'm. Not opposed to saying that this management group and this coaching staff finally has the respect of their peers in the National Hockey League. Mm-hmm. Like when Jim Rutherford's calling or Patrick Alvin's calling another GM in the National Hockey League, they're looking at it and they're saying, okay, it's Jim Rutherford. I'm gonna pick it up. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, not to say that it didn't happen with Jim Benning. I think it was a little, I think <laughs> the conversations were very, very different. Sure. I think that other GMs might have picked up the call because they said, look, and how can we fleece this guy? Mm-hmm. And 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 it's tough because you know maybe Jim was put in a different position and things like that, but they've got credibility, um, throughout the coaching staff and and the, and the management group. And I think that that's one of the things when you look at and you're trying to get involved with with teams or making trades for the Canucks. I think this is an extremely good luxury to
2: have. I love it. I love it. Uh, okay, let's get to anyone else. I kind of. There's so so many. I know I took the whole segment away. We got a lot of listeners and a lot of people uh, in the YouTube live chat. So I'll get to this one from Jeremy Lee. I'm going to word it a little differently than he did to, because I think this is what he's trying to say. I'll try and make it make sense for you. What is the likelihood that the Canucks bring up Willander and LeCaramaki if they sign big contracts with PD and or? Uh, Philip Horonic. So do you think there's going to be any added sense of urgency to bring Le Carimac in, to bring Willander in uh, if these guys sign contracts?
3: Not at all. I think that they're going to let them develop and they're going to let them play and they're not even worried about bringing those guys up right now I think that that's and and that's a good way to look at it you don't need to rush everybody to the National Hockey League you know certain teams will do that because they're desperate Vancouver Canucks aren't desperate right now Mm -hmm. let these players develop let them turn into professionals and let them work on their game in a different level away from here away from this market away from the pressures that is the NHL and let them do their thing I I don't think there's a rush at all
2: I I, I'm curious your thoughts on this because uh Tom Willander I don't watch every game of Tom Willander but Do you think he does the Quinn Hughes thing where he signs at the end of his first collegiate season? Or do we see him play next year and then sign at the end of uh, the 2024-25 season rather than at the end of this season? It all depends on where the Canucks are at, to be completely honest. Like, are they
3: going to sign him and have him hang around and not do anything and watch playoff hockey? I mean, you could do that. He's not going to get in, so you're not going to burn a year of his deal, right? Or, Or you're going to or are you going to wait and let him develop and see if he wants to go back and play? Right. I don't think that there's going to, I don't think that there should be a rush on either of their parties hmm. for, for him to play. I think when he's ready, he should.
2: Yeah. And I mean, when we talk about the cap, the OEL, yeah. Um, buyout and the penalty, they're going to have, you probably do want an extra year of Tom Willander uh, on an ELC grade. You got they, something. Yeah. Well, they will need
0: some of those types of players, not necessarily them because they're going to be up against it. And everyone that's unsigned is going to be, you know, five, 10% more. So, you know, that extra cap space is going to go quickly. Now it might be some UFAs or a guy like Archdeep Baines or, you know, you see more of Niels Amon, perhaps Linus Carlson next year, not necessarily the Karamaki or Willander, but those ELCs are going to come handy at some point down the road, I'm just not sure if it's going to be as early as the end of this season or even next year.
2: Yeah, it's not going to be their high draft picks. I just, I, I really sure. don't think it is. Okay, uh, this one for you, Irf, from Jesse C. Earth is anyone else the best non-guest segment in the Vancouver hockey market? Ooh, there's a good question for you. I've been on some good ones though. That's <laughs> I, can't, very... I, can't, I can't, I can't, I plead the fifth there. I can't, I can't say it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I okay. love you guys, but I'm you gotta, you
3: gotta pander to the audience. Come on. <laughs> I know it's true.
2: I do, I, I do, but can't answer that one. Okay. I'm going to clarify this because Sniper in the YouTube live chat asked why look for the next Dakota Joshua when you already have the Dakota Joshua at home. And I I mean, I'll clarify that when I say find the next Dakota Joshua, I mean, a guy who doesn't have an NHL home that is just (laughs) thankful to get a one way deal in free agency from you where, Look, when Dakota Joshua signed, we were all like, okay, who is this guy? Yeah, he can probably play on the fourth line and he'll probably be with in and out of the press box. And now he's like a bonafide third liner for this team. And that's what I mean when I say go find the next Dakota Joshua because once Dakota Joshua turns into the Dakota Joshua, you need to pay him like the Dakota Joshua. And in the cap world, you want to avoid doing that as best you can. If Dakota Joshua can turn this season into
3: making... Two million bucks yeah. on some term. Good for him. Good for him. Good Just for not him. in Vancouver. Just not here.
2: Yeah. Vancouver. Okay. Uh, this one from RP88. Or both of us, let's answer this one. This one. What do you guys think of PD's play lately? Is he back to his old self or still getting there? Golden assist last night. We didn't really bring him up. I thought he was doing a lot of really good things at five on five. And I think for the past week, maybe two weeks. We started to see the defense at five on five really start to pick up and, and, you know, being first on pucks, um, all those things that he does when you just know he's on, he's doing all those things. And obviously he's putting up some points as well. But uh, do you think Petey's back? I think Tyson Berry was awful last night on that, that, oh, yeah. that BD goal. But we had I, someone yesterday say, oh, do you guys think they should trade for Tyson Berry? And Harmon and I were like, no, no definitely not. Anyway, sorry, I don't, I don't think
3: Tyson Berry thinks that Vancouver can actually trade for Tyson <laughs> Berry either, to be completely honest. But uh, look, I, I think that for Elias Pettersson, it, it's tough, right? Because, you know, he comes out and says he's not dealing with something. It's obvious that there's something going on there. Um You mentioned that he doesn't play matchup minutes. You know, he's not playing against the team's top line every single night. And it's tough. He's in a contract year. And then the Canucks are saying, Well, we're ready to talk when he's ready to talk. So he's listening and hearing and reading. And he's very cerebral dude. He sees and hears and reads everything. And he's he's very thoughtful in in the way that he chooses to express himself, both on and off the ice. Um, I think that he's when he's on, he's as good as any. You know, center in the National Hockey League. I would love to have him on my team. Um, he hasn't shot the puck extremely well this season, to be completely honest. Mm-hmm. I think we've we, we've lost a little bit of that. Pedersen shot the velocity um, and and things like that. The one timer on the on the power play, we haven't really seen it much now. Maybe that's teams getting smarter and taking that mm-hmm. away from the Canucks. But um, and that's just why they're just getting back to watch why Brock has fifty backdoor tapping goals um, all season. But uh, for Elias Pedersen. I think that there's a lot more to give, and I think he'll tell you that as well um in his game and
2: I don't think we've seen the best of him yet this season. That's for sure. this one from Karan. and it's kind of a follow up to what you just said, so I'll set you up for it, okay, Is there a reason they don't use p d s line in a shutdown role? All three are very effective in the defensive end,
3: yeah, I mean, you look at face off numbers uh, mm-hmm. I think they're uh, I think they like the matchups with with j t. Miller. And, and the other teams' top lines as well. Um, I think home and away is obviously different, you know, where you get the second change and they other teams match up. But I just think that, you know, they're more comfortable with other players playing against the team's top line than Elias Pettersson right now.
2: Okay, this one from Jesse C. Next year or two, will there be less discount contracts for hometown slash contender reasons because the cap has been flat for a few years now? That wouldn't surprise me. If, will, there be, will there be more? Will there be less of those because players are going to be saying like no, I want to I wanna get paid. I haven't been able to get paid these past couple of years because of COVID and everything and the flat cap. Ain't nobody taking
3: a discount to live in Vancouver. I'm telling you that right now. Yeah. there's. It's just not happening.
2: Yeah, and that's what we're yeah, saying.
3: It's an expensive city to live in. It's tough. I don't care if you're from here. The taxes. The taxes, yeah. obviously. Vancouver, LA, New York, Toronto. Um, You look at those cities around the National Hockey League, they're among the worst when it comes to taxes in the National Hockey League, and it's tough. I think that Vancouver is now going to become, if they go to the playoffs this year, if and when they go to the playoffs and they make a little bit of noise, I think the free agent question mark is going to change surrounding this team. I think free agents didn't want to play here, not here before, but I think in Canada, but I think if you can make it and you can sell Quinn Hughes, Thatcher, Demko, you know, obviously guys like JT Miller and Brock Besser, um, and, and, and that core group, if you can sell some free agents on that, then you can give yourself a shot landing some big fish, but nobody's taking a discount. It's just not going to happen.
2: Fair enough. Okay, there's a lot in here, and I don't want to like I don't want to miss any, but I also don't want to read all of them because we've got so many that I want to <laughs> make them the right ones. Okay, this one I think this is a good one. Okay, here we go. Earth, uh, this one for you. Seven Street Dream asked, "Seeing how lethal the Canucks' bottom six is, can we risk waiting res- re-signing some of them, a la Joshua Lafferty and Blueger. Is it all hinging on Elias Pettersson and Philip Peronick?
3: I think a lot of it has to do with, with, with those two for sure. But I think that you'd be naive to think that the Canucks don't know or have, a, have an idea of what Elias Pettersson and, and, and Philip Heronick are, or at least what the average number might be on their contract. The term for Elias Pettersson is going to be interesting, whether it's four or five or eight or whatever he wants to do. I think that's going to be interesting. But the Canucks have to know what the AAV is going to be like. They have to have an idea. Same for Philip Ronick. I know if he wants that long-term contract, whether it's here, whether it's somewhere else, um, the Canucks have to know what that number is. So I don't think that it really hinges on those two signing. I think that they're just going to be patient, to be completely honest. I mean, what's to say that, you know, they're behind the scenes not working and looking at trying to improve this roster and one of those guys that you mentioned is going to be an asset that they use to try and improve? Because if you're trying to improve this team, like I've said before on a number of different programs in the city, you can't just look to improve your team to make the playoffs. You mm-hmm. got to look to improve your team or you can't just go buy a rental because you think you're good enough to yep. just went around. You got to improve your team, not only for this season, but it's got to be for the next couple. So if that's, if that's the case, you're looking for a guy that's already has some term and you're going to be willing, you're going to be willing to have to part way with assets.
2: All right. I love it. Uh, okay. Last one. We'll get to this one from Sino and this is going to be the end of the anyone else segment before we get to betway which i think you'll really like uh last night nashville chose to play the forestberg line against miller so that shows you what the preds think of miller as a matchup center interesting kind of takeaway from that but uh i did find it interesting that they kind of you know they went to that and they kind of viewed miller as the one that yeah let's put forestberg um up against him and then what happened yeah <laughs> exactly not, not good coaching yeah <laughs> i yeah. mean if you really think about it alternatively like how impressed have you been with rick Tockett this season yeah I mean, Frank
3: nailed it on that. head. I, I think around the National Hockey League it's 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 been impressive. I think the buy in not only from Rick, I think it's, you know, from from Adam Foote, from, you know, Sergei Gonchar, from what he's been able to do, um, from Mike Yo as well. I think it's there's just there's there's a lot of respect from the players that they have for this coaching staff. I mean if you're the Canucks power play group, you're going on the ice for every practice. You're having Rick Tocchet out there, Stanley cup champion. You're mm-hmm. having Sergey Gonchar out there. One of the best defensemen in NHL history. You're having Adam foot out there, a guy that's you played a lot of hockey at the elite level, Stanley cup champion. You're having Daniel Henrik Sidine out there working with you almost daily. Like there's hall of famers yep. out there. Like if you can't be excited to get out and go in and put in the work and listen to what these guys are saying, you're in the wrong business.
2: And you know, how much has that changed things for the players? Like, how much has that changed the vibe? Because obviously, we know it's important what yeah. happens up top, of course. But, like, just in terms of the coaching staff, and no, sl- no, you know, not to rag on anybody who was here before, but like, how different is it for the players when they get to be able to go do that? Look, like what
3: you just outlined. Well, I think that we can talk a little bit about it. I mean, look, Travis Green at the end of his tenure, he, you know, lost the room a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, and I think that was pretty obvious. I mean, did they play to get him fired? No, I don't think that any of those guys will, will say that. Obviously, no one ever wants to do that. I think the end of Bruce Boudreaux's tenure here was was interesting. I, I think that you know it, it was one of those things that Bruce, there it is, and the fans and everything, and the bench and and, and all of that. I I think that there were some players in that room that kind of had enough of it at the end of it, and they were ready to move on because they knew the potential that this team had. And then they went out and got Rick Tockett. And when you looked at last season, when Rick Tockett came in and had those couple of games, and he he lit up his team right away. Yeah, right. He said second game, we, second game. He lit them up. And even when Jim Rutherford took over this job, he lo- he's one of his second, I think it was his second press conference. It was. He, Second press conference that he has. So this team's not good enough to win. <laughs> and He's right. Yep. And right now they might not be good enough to win the Stanley Cup, but they're good enough to make it. So I think when you have those two guys and Rick and obviously Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvine, you know, see eye to eye and everything that they have going on. I-, I think when you're the players, you look at it and you have the stability from the top all the way down. I think that that's, I, think that,
2: I just think that's a great thing to have. You said something there. That I'm about to disagree with. What? That this team can't win the Stanley Cup. Bring it up, Grady. The Betway bet of the day. Which is partially done in jest, but it is funny because I had to look it up. Uh, I think they have the seventh best odds when I looked over on Betway. That's right. Our bet today is the Vancouver Canucks to win the Stanley Cup this season. A ten dollar bet at plus sixteen hundred odds. That's pretty low. Returns you a hundred and seventy dollars over on Betway. It must be 19 plus to play. If you choose to play. Please play responsibly. So would you have... So maybe okay, maybe right don't here.
3: put the house on the Canucks winning the cup. Here, 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 don't, definitely not.
2: As I say, please play responsibly. Yeah, don't do it. Careful um, about that
3: one. So here's my thing. If the Canucks didn't beat the Preds the way they did and dominated the later stages of that game, would you still made that bet today?
2: Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> there no. you go. No, no. Like, you're, I know. you're listening to this guy? I'm dead serious. Absolutely not. I wouldn't have said half the things that I said today if they didn't <laughs> like, play the way trust they did, me, I'm, last I'm aware.
3: But 6-0-1 in their last seven. Seven and one against the Central Division. There you go. They're the best team in the Central Division, not in the Division. I, oh, you know what's on the screen.
2: That's why I'm laughing. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Grady brought up the... Uh, oh, wow. I made a meme of Harmon yesterday. Hoglander to start the year versus Hoglander now. And it was Harmon. Uh, when we started the show, it was very bright in his room. Well, not even very bright. But then by the time the show ended, it was just... Harmon's screen was the only light in that room. And it was... Uh, the only thing lighting up his face. Got to get that guy a ring light. Oh, Harmon doesn't need lights because his future is so bright. Oh, beautiful. Well said. Uh, that was a lot of stuff you said on the show. Today. <laughs> Poor was guy
0: was being held hostage in some <laughs> bunker in Nashville.
2: <laughs> Sounds like fun. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. He was. Uh, we call it Tootsie's. Yeah. Let's <laughs> call it. Anyways. Um. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us, man. It was an yeah, awesome, absolutely. awesome day here for you on uh, a combo. A lot of fun with you today. Uh, I- have to do one final sweep because I feel like I'm forgetting stuff. Grady, your mic's on again. <laughs> uh, but we'll close it out there. For my co-host, Irf Gafar. my name is David Guadrelli. That is Grady ass. you can hear in the background. And thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Canucks Conversation with Harmon and Quads every weekday at 2pm. Be sure to check it out on the Canucks Army YouTube channel. And if you missed it, go check it out on your favorite podcast catcher app.